0: Welcome to the one and only Circle City Cinema with your host and the one and only Zach Griffith. Welcome into Circle City Cinema. I am your host, Zach Griffith, and. I am here, once again, just like last week, to talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier, Episode 4. Once again, a commentary style. Uh, I'm not joined by Alex Burr this week. He's feeling a little under the weather, so I thought, huh? well, do another commentary. Got some good feedback on it last week, so figure why not. I uh, am also a little under the weather. If it sounds like I just slammed a pack of camels... Uh, before the show, I did not do that. Uh, it's allergy season. And the rivalry between Zach Griffith and allergy season uh, goes back, I don't know, 23 years. So it's... Uh, <laughs> it's one of the long-standing rivalries. Uh, I am currently winless, but, uh, you know, maybe this year. Maybe this year we'll turn it around. But, uh, like I said, commentary. Back at it this week. But... Uh, I thought I'd bring back this segment because it's been a while since I've done it. Good things we've seen lately. Uh, for me, I did... I had uh, I wasn't going to do anything last weekend, so I thought, eh, why not? Well, hit up Netflix, set up HBO, see what's on. True Detective. True Detective. This is a rewatch for me. I've actually... have not seen the most recent season with uh, Mahershala Ali, but... Um rewatching again from the beginning, so I'm at season one with McConaughey and uh Woody. And it just it's awesome. It's awesome. It's one of the best products HBO has put out, I would say, in the past 20 years. Um, I you know, definitely not on the Thrones wire sopranos level, but I'd say a notch under that. You know, it's it's in there. The problem is, and for some reason this turns a lot of people off, but not me. The anthology. Uh, approach you know different cast and crew different plot every season you know a lot of people are turned off by that I think American Crime Story is a good example of this you know they're they they don't know (laughs) I mean just gonna be honest they don't season three of that show not looking promising last time I heard it was about a Hurricane Katrina and that really doesn't interest me. I, I don't know if there's an audience out there for that. I don't even think the people of New Orleans would want to watch that. But, you know, it makes you wonder because the first season was about it was about uh, O.J. Sims. And then the second season was about uh, assassination of Gianni Versace, which I thought in some ways was uh, better than the O.J., I don't think it was better overall, but it was it was very good. Great uh, performance by uh, Darren Darren Chris, I believe his name was. He played Andrew Canaan, the the villain, if you will. Season two, great great performance by him. I'm pretty sure he won an Emmy for it. Great cast, Penelope Cruz as well. But uh, that True Detective, it's got the anthology approach. Like I said, turns some people off, but not me. It's 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 a great product. I hope uh, you guys check it out. I would highly recommend it. On Netflix, uh the mayorowitz stories. This came out in twenty seventeen. It's directed by Noah Baumbach. Uh he directed Marriage Story uh, in twenty nineteen, which was one of the best films of that year. A loaded year, and that was one of the ten best movies of twenty nineteen, I would say. Uh starring Adam Sandler and one of probably you know, one thing Adam Sandler doesn't get enough credit for is his dramatic his dramatic performances and his range. You know, if you go back, I'd say his first dramatic role was Punch Drunk Love, which came out in 2002. Uh, it's kind of a light or heavy, I should say, heavy rom-com. Uh, less on the calm side, definitely more on the rom of... Uh, starring him and uh, I believe Emily Watson and Philip Seymour Hoffman and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson and Paul Thomas Anderson is, you know, one of the great auteurs, one of the great directors, I would say since the nineties and just hasn't missed, hasn't missed at all. And he's very selective in who he works with. I mean, this is a guy who has worked with Daniel Day Lewis twice And if you can catch the the attention of Daniel Day-Lewis, who, you know, probably the most famous actor of all time in terms of selectivity and pickiness with roles, you're doing something right. He managed to transform Sandler's career in a way that I just, you know, if I was old enough back then, I definitely wouldn't have thought uh, this kind of change was possible But what baffles me is uh, critics, and it's weird it took a movie like Uncut Gems for them to finally come around on, on Sandler's dramatic abilities. They've always been there. And I have a longstanding theory, and I don't think it's a hot take at all. I think it's a pretty popular opinion that comedic actors have the most, if not one of the most, wide-ranging abilities as a performer you know i i I, I read i'm a degenerate so i read interviews with celebrities and movie stars and i watch interviews on youtube and the one common theme i see is comedies are the hardest to perform in Uh, i was watching an interview on uh, charlie rose i know that didn't age well but, uh, <laughs> you know, Charlie Rose, not uh, very popular these days, uh, with an interview on uh, Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro was on Charlie Rose's show, and he was saying this was around when Meet the Parents came out or Meet the Fockers, one of the one of the two. He was saying uh, the timing in a comedy makes it so much more difficult than a movie like, say, The Godfather Part Two or Goodfellas for him, where, you know, the timing is a, is a factor and those dramatic roles, but not as much as comedy. I mean, you see in stand-up acts, for example, like Dave Chappelle, uh, Chris Rock, guys like that, their timing is impeccable, and they're considered uh, the masters of their craft. And it's no different in, you know, movies. I think that's why Adam Sandler, you know, guys like him, guys like Will Ferrell, uh, I've seen a little bit with Kevin Hart now, have managed to stay relevant for years. In Sandler and Ferrell's case... Over 20 years. I mean, we're going on... Folks, we're going on 30 years. I I mean, in four years, it's going to be a 30th anniversary of Billy Madison. I mean, that... (laughs) That is just ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And Adam Sandler has been relevant really since early 90s to mid-90s. And, you know, like I said, not to slam Uncut Gems at all. I mean, if you listen to this pod, Uncut Gems is... Definitely one of the 10 best movies of 2019 as well, but it's just weird that it took a movie like Uncut Gems where he's playing such a scumbag for critics to notice, hey, Adam Sandler might low-key be one of the best actors of a generation. Maybe we should give this guy a little more credit. So I I just think it's weird that it took uh, a role like that and a movie like that to uh, propel him in the critical world. But I don't know. Yeah, the relationship I have with uh, critics, uh, not named Roger Ebert and anybody who works at that site, is a little, a little iffy. Uh, another one, The Hustler. I watched this uh, last night. I was bored, couldn't sleep, uh, so I was like, "Yeah, I'm The Hustler." I had a, I had it on Blu-ray. I bought it at Half Price Books a while back, and I had not. Uh, fired it up yet so I was like "Eh, I'm, I'm in a Paul Newman mood I'm in a pool mood let's go and I dare you to watch this movie and not be sucked in within the first 10 minutes it is one of the most unique sports movies I've ever seen it is it deals with heavy themes like character morality right and wrong relationships in a way that Sports movies just didn't do in the 60s. This came out in 61. And, you know, I think it probably took a guy like Paul Newman, who, you know, in my opinion, one of the easily one of the 20 greatest actors of all time. I think we could move him up even further. One of my favorites. Uh, it took a guy like him with his range, his abilities to propel a genre like this to another level. And it's weird that the sport was pool and billiards, but you know, so be it. The movie's awesome. Uh, it is about a man named Fast Eddie Felsen who plays on the pool circuit in, I believe it is Baltimore. I believe it is Baltimore. Uh, and he uh, has a big set of balls on him and he goes up to the most, probably the most widely revered pool player in the region, if not the country, a man named uh, Minnesota Fats, played by the great Jackie Gleason. And the first 30 minutes, I think probably closer to 35 minutes of the movie, is Fast Eddie and Minnesota Fats just uh, dueling it out on the pool table for over 24 hours. And the themes hit right away because at one point, this isn't really spoiling anything if you want to watch it, but... At one point, Fast Eddie is up eighteen thousand on Minnesota Fats, and Minnesota Fats has never been defeated. But Fast Eddie, uh being the you know, he's pretty cocky in this movie, especially in the beginning. He says the game is not over until Minnesota Fats says it is. And Fats uh plays it smart, sees that Fast Eddie uh is just begging to lose. In fact, that's even said by a couple of characters at various points in the movie that Fast Eddie is a loser just waiting to be get beaten. Um, Minnesota Fats sees that, hey, I just got to wait this out. Got to wait till he's tired, begs me for another round, and then I'll take all the money. And that's exactly what happens. And so the rest of the movie is about Fast Eddie, you know, trying to get back to play Minnesota Fats, trying to... Uh, repair relationships with people he messed up along the way so it's a great movie I think one of the yeah, probably one of the 10 greatest sports movies of all time it's actually followed by a sequel quote-unquote sequel called The Color of Money starring uh, Paul Newman and Tom Cruise came out in 1986 it was actually directed by Martin Scorsese and it was the only Oscar that Paul Newman ever won which is uh, kind of ridiculous but Really ridiculous, but, you know, so be it. It's still a great role, still a great performance. So check The Hustler out. Uh And finally, Boyhood. Boyhood, directed by Richard Linklater. Um You've probably heard of this movie. You've probably seen the poster for it. Uh Really unique. Probably one of the most unique productions of a film ever. It was filmed with the same actors over the course of 12 years, and it tells the story of a child named Mason and basically his journey of growing up from I believe it's first grade to to going off to college it's really moving uh, it's a it's a really moving film i would say it's easily one of the 10 best films of the 2010s i don't think that is you know i don't think you find a lot of people that would dispute that and I don't think it's Richard Linklater's best work as a director. I think the Before Sunset trilogy probably takes the cake there. But uh, this isn't far behind. It's definitely his most ambitious project. That's not even up for debate. Ethan Hawke is phenomenal in this film. Uh, Patricia Arquette is phenomenal. She won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress in 2015. Uh, and the kid. The, um, oh, man, what's his name? Ah. <sighs> Like I can't, I can't think of his name right now. But the kid who plays Mason, great job, absolutely phenomenal job by him. I'm assuming I, I mean, it had to have been his first acting job. I mean, he was in first grade when he picked it up, and he was 18 when it finished. So I can't imagine what that experience was like working with those people in his shoes. So, Boyhood, check it out. Uh, it's a little long. It's about two hours, 45 minutes, but it's well worth it. You will often see it on lists of greatest films of all time. And, um, you know, it's probably top 60, I would say. It's, a, it's in there. Uh, but, folks, it's time. It's time. Uh, episode 4, Falcon Winter Soldier commentary. After the show, I'm going to be doing our big winner and our big loser. Um, you can probably guess who the big loser is going to be if you've A, already watched the episode this week, and be listening to this commentary throughout because this character is going to take plenty of shots. Uh, so if you can't figure it out who the biggest loser is at the end, you haven't been paying attention. Once, uh, once again, folks, I just want to remind you, uh, please watch the episode while listening to this commentary, it is, uh, quite frankly, imperative <laughs> uh, if you don't. Uh, you're going to be really lost, and it's just not going to be fun for anybody. So I really uh, urge you to watch episode four of the Falcon and Winter Soldier while you listen to this. Otherwise, you're going to be hearing prolonged pauses, uh, maybe me downing a corona. You you just, you know, stuff you don't want to hear. So uh, watch the episode while listening to this. And without further ado, folks, let's get started. Uh, folks, one piece of news I need to mention. Uh, this just came across my timeline. Harvey Weinstein uh, is nearly blind, experiencing cardiac issues, and has had to have four teeth removed. So great news. Great news for us. Uh, the scumbag getting what he deserves, and uh, you, you really love to see it. You'll love to see it. Uh, but th- without further ado, the commentary, I am pressing play right now. And uh, I think like in the last week, folks, we're going to skip the uh, little recap here. I don't need to. Don't need any of this. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Wakanda, yeah, Wakanda, baby. Let me tell you, Wakanda, massive W in this episode, massive W. Six years ago, Bucky, uh, now known as the White Wolf in Wakanda fresh out of surgery, fresh out of getting uh, all the machinations, machinations, I always say it, out of his uh, head, thanks to Wakandan technology, thanks to Shuri, getting the words read to him. Gotta say, uh, the best acting of the show so far, I mean, this is pretty easily just the facials, the struggle and his the struggle you can just see it sebastian stan phenomenal job the montage the montage is pretty painful really painful i mean this acting folks it's, it's perfect captures everything about bucky his anger his sadness His inability to control his actions. It's all there. Great music as well. Just the realization that he's free. And she even says that you're free. You can't believe it. What a sequence. I mean, what a sequence, folks. And then the smile. That has been widely memed, (laughs) but still great. Bucky meeting with uh, his Wakandan friend. So the Wakandans have a problem with Bucky, understandably. I mean, Zemo killed King T'Chaka. The Wakandans have a major problem with Bucky breaking Zemo out of prison. (laughs) It's like a lot of people do. I mean, uh, probably not a great idea. I know it's worked out for him so far, but, you know, not looked kindly upon by the Wakandan nation. Eight hours. Eight hours before we come for your ass. That's fair. Simo absolutely carefree in a bathrobe. <laughs> There's nothing to litigate, you got you killed him. So right, now they're finding out that uh Carly Morgenthau means business. She just blew up a building with people in it. Great episode for Carly though. Great episode. Ah, depends on how you say great, but how you define great, but not bad. Again, seeing how Zemo feels about, about, about the, the serum, not a fan because, you know, a guy who had the serum and people who had similar abilities tore apart his own country, tore it the fuck apart. So his motive, pretty solid. This is a good sequence. TT. Also, I don't know anybody who's ever called their aunt uh, TT. I know I haven't. So the Flag Smashers here, getting a sense of what has just happened. What Carly did. And as we'll see, some of them second-guessing the leadership here. Carly getting looks. She doesn't give a damn. Gotta love the CNN knockoffs that the MCU provides. Again, Zemo, the style on this guy—it's—it's it's unflappable. So the three of them split up to see what they can find out about uh, Madani and her death. Sam just straight in the building where the Flag Smashers were, not even a couple days ago. (laughs) The room empties as soon as he walks into it. Okay, it gotta be tough being an Avenger. You know, probably even tougher being Sam since he's been in the Avengers um probably one of the longest tenures out of anybody left. Um walking around it's kind of it's I bet it's like being an athlete. These people just see you and they know who you are. And you really can't hide. Now, Sam actually get some answers from a, uh, tutor here. Wow, that's tough. I know what happens when people say they're going to help out. Nothing. That is a hard-hitting quote. Sam being told to his face he can't be trusted by an innocent civilian. Great sequence for Zemo here. Again, I could give the W to Zemo for this episode, but I'm not going to. Easily could be a back to back for him. Timo, good with kids. Very good with kids. Zemo easily getting info. Easily. Again, great with kids. Bucky and Sam getting nowhere. (laughs) Meanwhile, Zemo figured out everything from a kid. Moved by Zemo to uh withhold the information for like five minutes good back and forth with Sam and Bucky here try to trying to determine the difference between Zemo and Carly. Zemo, absolutely no... Fear of the Wakandan army. Oh, fuck. (laughs) He's just going to extort you and do that stupid head tilt thing. And then Zemo readjusts his head. (laughs) Oh, great. Sharon getting used. What are the odds on Sharon getting this pardon ever? The Vegas odds. Another Power Broker name drop. And if you paid attention to the news, yeah, I don't really like it, but a leak uh, has revealed that a big-time cameo is going to be in this Friday's episode. Um, I'm wondering, I'm guessing this is going to be the Power Broker. I think we've gotten too many name drops and references to him along the line so far for it not to be him. Um, but it leaves me conflicted about you know. I I mean we saw this in Wandavision and it didn't really pan out where this monster cameo was rumored and it turned out to be nothing. I really hope it turns out to be something here because I mean if you're gonna leak it, um, mean it I guess. I mean, Elizabeth Olsen said that the WandaVision cameo was going to be bigger than Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian, and that just wasn't the case. That um, <laughs> wasn't even close to being the case in hindsight. So uh, I don't don't get your hopes up. That's all I would say. Don't get your hopes up for Friday. Hopefully, uh, it pays off. But I just wish these things wouldn't get leaked and we wouldn't get our hopes up because takes away from the experience the the experience in my opinion. Uh, but my guess is going to be the power broker. off to Danya's funeral. And John Walker. John Walker, uh an absolutely abysmal performance by him uh this week. It is it is just horrible. Abs I mean over from free throw, 1 for 10 from three point, just an unbelievable L for John Walker. I can't even – it's so bad. It's so bad. And, you know, it's kind of a down period in the episode, so I think I'll talk about it. Uh, Running Hook family member Caleb Lynn, uh, Caleb brought up an interesting point to me uh, as this episode and the aftermath of this episode, and he said, Wyatt Russell uh, put up the worst performance – in a Marvel property. In an MCU property. And I thought about it. And I can't think of one... Worse. And I'm not just saying that because... This is a horrible episode for John Walker. And... Just abysmal for the character. I'm saying it because I haven't been sold on John on uh, Wyatt Russell... As an actor before this. Before this show... I wasn't sold on him as the U.S. agent going into this and throughout it. And I just don't, I don't think, he just doesn't have enough depth. Um, Unfortunately, I think it might be a case of, you know, a famous son or a son of a famous actor and actress. You know, maybe that's all it is. I mean, right here. What the hell, John Walker? What? 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 You, shut up! Shut up! Just shut up! I mean, the next ten minutes for John Walker. Really, the rest of the episode. L's everywhere, raining L's. Why? I'm just not buying Wyatt Russell, and I'm kind of glad Caleb brought it up because made me ready to admit it. I mean like I said I have been sold on Wyatt as an actor you know he was in a show called Lodge 49 on AMC and it got cancelled um, he just hasn't been great and stuff I've seen him in Overlord I thought he was the worst part of Overlord but you know maybe you can turn it around and the next two episodes but I, I don't think so i don't see him coming back from what he did at the end of this i'll say that and now the danya funeral really heartfelt heartfelt stuff from carly and the crew uh, and then she sees sam in the window and the uh, the mood the mood shifts quite quite dramatically A solid monologue here. John, I, I don't care. I don't care about your pressures to live up to the shield. You shouldn't even have the shield in the first place. Fuck off, as far as I'm concerned. And now, Sam and Carly have the conversation, but back to the White Russell thing. Since I'm a degenerate, I went through every major performance in the MCU not counting in humans and agents of shield and runaways. And I think it's the worst. I think it's the worst you can even point to. I mean, I always thought Finn Jones as Iron Fist was pretty bad. Um and I think for a, a lead in an MCU property, that was easily the worst. But I mean, this is bad. This is just straight up bad by Wyatt Russell. It's just bad. You know, if they would have let Sam do his job here, with by they, I mean fucking John Walker, it would have been fine. I gotta say, if Carly wasn't a psycho, I might slip in the DMs. Really might. And now John starts to go up the deep end. Just fucking. Don't patronize me. That is a horrible line reading. God, this is just horrible. I'm just not buying it from Wyatt Russell. John Walker doesn't even know what the fuck is going on in the other room, and he's just like, let's go. Let's storm it. Your partner needs help, Barnes. How do you know? Same as the situation handled. If you had any belief in him, it would have been fine. Tough, tough look, (laughs) tough look for Carly. I'd kill him again if I had to. Again, that's a horrible British accent, but I'm not an actor. Horrible look for Carly. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What an idiot. I mean, what an idiot. And, you know, we're so, the character's written... John Walker, he's written in a way that we're not supposed to like him at all. I mean, getting Cap shield in the first place, yeah, we're not supposed to like this guy. But Wyatt just does a bad job delivering the lines. I'm not buying that he's battling this conflict within. I'm just not not buying it. Zemo, hello. Zemo O'Clock Carly's been shot serum everywhere Carly's pinned Zemo sees it sees it Bye bye serum Oh no f- oh, god damn it John Walker just go go to hell And John being a cuck is going to pick up the last vial of serum because why not? Not a cuck. following along, I am at the 2723 mark in the episode, about halfway. Carly meeting up with her uh, confidant here. She's been shot. The serum definitely helping combat that, but she's, she's been shot. Oh, power broker. Little text. Little text from power broker. Well I want my serum back or I will find you and I will end you. Well little show you a guy means business. Uh, all of these serums have been destroyed. So I don't know what Carly's plan is here. <laughs> Zemo with an ice pack. Nice look for Sam. Would you have taken the serum if you'd been offered it? No. Immediate no. See, I was just trying to talk sense here. You know, man, I know you tried to talk Carly down, but she is what she is at this point. You know, you can't change her. People don't change. Really epic sequence about to take place here Yeah, you know if I was Bucky I just would wear short sleeve shirts all day all day show off that arm, baby I would never wear a sweatshirt. Oh, here's the cuck co- Oh my god Oh, my God, dude. Hey, the are here, baby. Oh my god <laughs> Walker but his place Oh shit love to see it folks Walker getting his ass beat Another great look for Zemo. I mean, is there a bad look for Zemo? I haven't seen one yet. Battlestar getting handed to him as well. Bucky providing commentary. Oh, that's cute, Sam. That's cute. Zemo fucks off. John Walker, just pathetic. Amazing sequence of Bucky... Not amazing for Bucky, but amazing sequence. His arm getting taken off. Just didn't think it was possible. John Walker just has no business wielding the shield. Absolutely no business. Oh my god. Just shut up. Just shut up. You know, why couldn't have John eaten shit in this episode? Why'd it have to be Battlestar? Come on. I can't believe he pulled an El Chapo (laughs) Oh wow Walker putting on a phony face Signing autographs Not fooling me asshole The thing about Battlestar dying in this episode, there is uh, really no seeds planted leading up to it that would make you think that was going to happen, which is part of the reason it made it so effective. Battlestar providing uh, some good insight on the serum. It just enhances what's already there. Morganthal, you know, she had deep resentful feelings, and serum brought those out. While Steve was just a patriot through and through, and brought that out to the fullest extent. With John Walker, he's uh, he's a prick. He's a prick. I mean, I don't want he just, to... He's just a prick, so he's going to be even more of a prick if he takes the serum. <sighs> Absolutely intense sequence here. Carly Morgenthau calls Sam's sister, Sarah. Then they had the balls to do this. You know what, folks, just enjoy this phone call. What a fucking scene! <laughs> And Sam immediately jumps into action. If you're following along, I'm at the 3802 mark. You gotta think this is the only family Sam has left. And especially with Steve gone, him and Bucky not on, you know, they're working together, but they're not on the best of terms. Sarah and his nephews, that's all he has left. So for Carly to go to this next level and call somebody that important to Sam, uh, got to piss him off, but also got to make him uh, aware of who he's dealing with here. <laughs> Bullshit, Carly. Again, uh Sharon putting in work getting nothing in return. Oh hell. Carly wearing her dime store mask. Also with a bullet in her. Oh fuck. Here comes John. Uh, Serum injected Ready to go Gotta say he does kick ass He really does but I'm just It's still an L I mean it's still an L For him Kind of a nice move By the crew here and the writers to not show John taking the serum and I, I here's why I think that is Steve was shown taking the serum and he became Captain America they did not show John Walker taking the serum because he's not going to become Captain America he's going to become uh, the polar opposite uh, a killer somebody who uh, does not fight for the same things that Cap did some symbolism I pulled out of my ass and that'll start getting beat to hell well I guess luckily it'll be the last ass beating he receives John just really dominating in the fights, as he should, I guess. I don't know how many doses of the serum he took, but goddamn, damn. He's dominating. <sighs> Gotta say, I laughed out loud when, uh, <laughs> when I saw Carly Morgenthau's running motion. It's like a <laughs> Sam bending metal pipes, or not Sam, John. Sam watching in uh, absolute awe. Mm. Lamar, crafty. Cutting out of his binds here. Folks, just enjoy this whole... Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. (laughs) Stay there. I don't think that motherfucker's getting up, man. Even though I don't like him, John is pretty skilled in terms of throwing skilled in terms of uh, throwing the shield Battlestar breaks out here uh, as we learn, would have been better off if he had just stayed put a lot of knives Battlestar saves John's ass. Oh! Carly. One punch Carly. KO. Lamar has gone. Guessing a spinal? I don't know. But he, he's gone. Oh, no. In this moment, the MCU goes to a place where I just didn't think it was capable of going. And I got to say, I liked it. I Even mean, though I don't think the acting from uh, Wyatt is great, I get the character's uh, emotions here and being pissed off and angry. But this is just a place I didn't think the MCU could go or would be willing to go, especially on a platform like Disney Plus. just, uh, I mean, I'm assuming it's a beheading or significant damage to the neck. I mean, Jesus. It's, you know, it's all caught on video by the civilians here. John uh, just doesn't, doesn't care. Carly in Horror. I was just uh, the first time I watched this episode I was just in shock uh, I didn't I didn't think the MCU would would go to this place oh my god I, I just didn't think it'd go to this place no PS scene this week um, I don't think we're gonna get one till the end if we get one at all uh, that's all, folks. Another commentary in the books. Uh, my big winner is Wakanda. Wakanda showed up for, what, four minutes, kicked ass, and left. And <laughs> announced their triumphant return uh, in a big way. So they're my big winner. The big loser is John Walker. Uh, I don't even have to go into detail with that. It's just A really abysmal, pathetic performance from him this week. Plugs, folks. Plugs on the Running Cook Network. Lint Sanity taking a, uh, I believe it's a two-week hiatus. Caleb and Bryce uh, taking a break. Well-deserved break, I got to say. Really well-deserved. But they're going to be hitting it hard when they come back with NFL offseason and review coverage. I believe I'll be on that. Then we got uh, some NBA uh, analysis uh, I will also be on uh, before the playoffs hit. So can't wait to do that. Going back to our roots on Linsanity, uh, if you remember the classic Southeast uh, Division episodes, the uh, inaugural Linsanity episode, the the, the ESPN top uh, 75 players list. Uh, it's it's going to be great to get back on with those guys talking NBA. Uh, Battleground last week, Myself, moderating JD and Bryce. That was a great episode. Talked some UFC, talked uh, Celtics, what's going on in Boston. A lot of a lot of tough shit, and they're not doing too well. And uh, some NBA injuries, so check that out. Alex Nill and Basketball Power Hour published uh, yesterday, I believe. Came out yesterday, they talked uh, My Knicks, uh, the Spurs, and the Hawks. Those, check that out. A uh, lot of a lot of love for the Hawks and uh, former Pacers coach Nate McMillan. Look, Nate McMillan served me well as a Pacers fan. I mean, his first season uh, was sixteen seventeen. I wasn't too high on him. Uh, but once the team was shaken up, got uh, some players in there that actually wanted to play, got guys that wanted to buy in, it brought me one of the... Probably the most memorable Pacers season outside of taking the heat to seven in 2013. So got I have nothing but respect for Naming Mellon. I think he's a great coach. And I don't think it's any coincidence that he won his first uh, eight games. I think it was with the Hawks. So great on him. Uh, so check the power hour out this week. Uh, top is back. Triple option pass. Devin Voss and Ryan Gregory getting you ready for the 2021 NFL Draft later this month. Offensive breakdowns. O-line, running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers. They got it for you. Let's do it today. Great to have those guys back in the rotation. They were had a little hiatus in the offseason following the national championship game. Uh, but they're back now, and they're going to be back, uh, I believe, later this week. If not early next week with uh, defensive breakdowns, breaking down every position on defense for you. Should be great. Mac Jones took L's and that, as he should. Divine Rhyme, our newest running hook family member with Dylan Hughes and Will Hogsett, the Prince of Indianapolis himself, uh, getting you all up to date and uh, breaking down all things J Cole this month. He broke down his first couple mixtapes last week, and I believe this week, folks. It's none other than Forest Hills Drive. In my opinion, J Cole's best work, and I can't wait to see what they have to say about that and relate it back to life. That's going to be great. Facts and stats. J D Hall uh, put out choice a choices episode last week. Uh, really deep stuff, really great stuff from him. I listened to it uh, today at work. I believe it's only about 15 minutes. So, quick listen, but quality content. Uh, Dylan Hughes making an appearance on Facts and Stats in the coming days, I am told. I heard it through the grapevine that that's happening. A little crossover between <laughs> Power Hour and Facts and Stats. So, you love to see it, Dylan. Uh, we'll probably kill it if I had to guess. So, uh, keep an eye out for that. And then, uh, on circle city cinema here, road to fast nine, kicking back up this week. I am recording, uh, fast four with, uh, Devin and Bryce on Wednesday. That'll be great to get back with those guys to talk about hands down the worst installment in the franchise, but we'll make it, we'll make it fun folks. We'll make it, we'll make it funny. Uh, And a new kind of show on Thursday with Bryce, Ryan, and Devin. The Sports Movie Draft. The Sports Movie Draft where all four of us will be selecting a team of eight sports movies and then we'll put it out in a poll the following day, the day it is published, to see who do you think won? Who drafted the best team of sports movies? Um, I have a pick that I'm going to try and uh, <laughs> convince them to let me have. I have a pretty compelling case, I think. I think uh, maybe Ryan will push back. I think Bryce and Devin will uh, will be okay with it. I think Ryan might push back, but we'll see. We'll see if they let it slide. Uh, the favorite movie series rolls on uh, probably next week. Dylan Hughes is on a lot of Running Hook and other properties this week. Uh, he is on favorite movie series next week. He is currently deciding between Moneyball, The Big Short, or Parasite. Uh, as soon as he gets back to me on that, I'll be watching that movie and getting ready for that pod. Dylan hitting up the favorite movie series, and then, folks, Oscars in just a couple weeks. Uh, I will be doing a prediction show on the major categories with. Cooper Ogle next week will be doing the acting categories. We'll be doing director, picture, animated film, uh, and cinematography and screenplay I believe. So all the major ones. Um, and then a live Oscars pod, the night of the Academy Awards with Coop. A live pod uh, reacting to the Oscars as they happen uh, shitting on any musical numbers and uh just it's gonna be great it's gonna be great oscars looking forward to it haven't had it in a long time so folks that's all i got hope you enjoyed this commentary check out everything on the running hook network it is quality content and as always folks thank you very much for listening